Airlines Confidential with Ben Baldanza and Seth Kaplan is produced in conjunction with Mass Media, a Google partner, providing businesses with traditional and digital advertising strategy and implementation. MassMedia.net. Sponsorship info for the Airlines Confidential podcast is available at AirlinesConfidential.com. When he was a top executive at Taka Airlines in Central America, now it's part of Avianca, he cut costs so dramatically that he earned the nickname Senor Matanza, Mr. Bloodbath. He's former CEO of Spirit Airlines, Ben Baldanza, who now teaches about how airlines work. That's what I heard, Ben. Is that true? (laughs) That is true, Seth. Well, he had a great interview on KTLA TV today talking about the four M's of the current airline travel environment, and none of them were Meshuggah. It's Seth Kaplan, NPR's Here and Now Transportation Analyst. We'll get to that, but pushing back from the gate, this is Airlines Confidential, the show where we share the secrets of the airline industry and debate all the crazy things that happen in the airline world each week. It it certainly is a Meshuggah industry nowadays. We'll discuss another airline bankruptcy, and we'll look at some real numbers regarding the percentage of flights airlines have cut. We'll talk about what kind of cut airlines are taking from their money that some people say shouldn't be theirs. But first, let's prepare for takeoff with this week's news. Ben, any other year, this would have been one of the bigger stories of the year. Here in April 2020, I'm not even sure if it's the biggest story of the week, but a rather large and important airline has entered voluntary administration. I'm talking about Virgin Australia. That's roughly the equivalent in Australia to what Americans might call Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Virgin will have a chance to reorganize itself, but not without a lot of pain for customers and especially 16,000 employees. There's global impact from this too. Virgin is in a joint venture with Delta for one. Virgin complained that this all became necessary because Australia's government was stingier than most governments about helping its airlines. Stinginess that was encouraged, so the allegation goes, by Virgin's rival airline Qantas. Ben, this is an interesting one. Virgin is one of those airlines who some look, some of its problems were of its own making before any of this with coronavirus. It was riding the ship. It might have been OK. But now in this new and unforgiving world, it's paying for the sins of its past. Uh, you could say all those same things of Norwegian based in Europe and some other airlines around the world. Now, Qantas would say, hey, we were running a better business. Why should the playing field be leveled for what at least was once a reckless competitor? But if Virgin shrinks dramatically or goes away, that'll be bad for consumers. That's clear. All kinds of distortions here going on in the world right now, Ben, not just in the airline world, of course, but this is an airline show. How do governments get this stuff right, especially when they have to make huge decisions so quickly? Well, it's really tough. And, um, you know, I... I would be surprised if Qantas really had that kind of sway in the Australian government to say, don't help my competitor because I'll be better off for that. Um, I think Virgin Australia's problems were largely of their own makings. You may remember a long time back, they used to be a low-cost airline. Yeah, Virgin and Blue. They used to be Virgin Blue, and then uh, then Virgin, then Virgin Australia, and they they underwent a number of years ago a transformation to make themselves nicer and uh, fewer seats on board, and try to attract a higher revenue customer. And they used a moniker that I just thought was really funny at the time. They called themselves a New World Carrier. Yeah. 
And I never, and, and the thing that was great about that is it meant absolutely nothing. So people could like just interpret, oh, New World Carrier. What does that mean? Whatever that means, but, yeah. But I think New World Carrier um, translates now in the economic dictionary as unprofitable carrier. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so I, I just don't think they've made the kind of money that Qantas has made as they've struggled with who are they and what kind of airline they are. And so when this crisis happened, they probably ran out of money a lot faster than airlines who had been running themselves you know, a little bit better had. So certainly if the, air, if the Australian government was stingy and didn't give either Qantas or Virgin Australia money, I think that would be sort of a fair situation. If they only gave Qantas help and not Virgin Australia, then I think you could say, what's going on here? There's favoritism. You um, know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times over the years I, I, I went to an airline conference and I would hear one of these airlines talk about how uh, the big buzzword was hybrid airlines, right? Like late, late 20, late, late 2000s, you know, 2006, 7 to 2010, 11, you hear all these airlines saying, you know, we're not, we're not the lowest cost airline. We're not the most comprehensive airline. It's the best of both worlds. We have rather low costs, but we also have rather good revenues. And it was always this compelling sounding story, but it almost never worked. Uh, A few examples in the world, you might say Alaska, you maybe pulled that off. Uh, JetBlue, rather successful. A few in the world that 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 were that way, but most airlines, it just seems they either optimize for one thing or the other. They either have really low cost or really strong revenues. And Virgin was one of those airlines that it, that it was a great sounding story, but it 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 just didn't add up. Uh, you know, they, they, their costs were too high to to compensate for revenues that just weren't as strong as the as the real money producing global airlines. And Virgin has had that problem not only in Australia. If you remember Virgin Virgin America, they pitched themselves when they became a public company as as not only the best of both worlds, but they said we have two strategies. Our cost strategy is that of a low cost carrier, but our revenue strategy is that of a premium carrier. And if somebody wanted to believe that, they bought that stock, <laughs> that right. they could actually deliver the premium product with low cost carrier kind of costs. And as we all know, that airline got absorbed by Alaska and didn't really even make any money until the last year when Alaska bought them. So it's a it's an issue within the Virgin brand. Virgin is a brand yeah. and big brands require premiums. We pay more for Apple phones because they have the name Apple on them. Right. <laughs> and yep. so and yep. brands require that premium and that's hard to get in the airline business. Right. Yeah. Try buying a ticket on Virgin Nigeria or Virgin Express. And if you can't find those airlines to buy tickets on them, there's a reason. <laughs> it's because they, they, they don't exist anymore. Virgin Atlantic, you know, finally, when Delta bought half of it and, and, and sort of brought in some of its management expertise, started uh, turning the corner out, uh, out of London. But even then has been probably better for Delta than it has been for itself. Ben, I've seen reports lately saying things like Southwest is now the world's busiest airline based on schedule seats because of just how many seats other airlines have cut, that kind of thing. The issue is a lot of that is based on schedule data. And what I've noticed is that airlines are handling reductions in different technical ways that might have a similar net impact on the real world, but can look very different in the schedules. The Southwest in particular hasn't pruned its schedules by nearly as much as a lot of other airlines, but then later it cancels more flights than others. So I had a feeling those reports might be a little misleading. And I asked the floats, the folks rather over at FlightAware, 
if they could do me a favor and run some actual data based on flights that actually operated for a recent seven day period. This is uh, April 13th to the 19th uh, compared to the same period a year earlier. Now, look, there's no perfect way to do this. But in terms of uh, number of mainline flights, so this is just flights, not seats. Uh, this is not counting regional op flights operated for American, United, and Delta by SkyWest or Republic. It's true that Southwest is the busiest by that measure, although the numbers are a lot closer than what's been reported. Again, Ben, because of the issue, as I mentioned, it's silly to try to rank these airlines in terms of how busy they are now. But what you can kind of look at roughly is what they've done on a percentage basis, at least mainline flights for themselves compared to a year earlier. And this is kind of interesting for what it's worth. Sure enough, in terms of flights actually operated, not just scheduled and then maybe canceled, Southwest was down 62% for that recent seven day period compared to a year earlier. And that was indeed less than others, but, but it, it just wasn't the same disparity as had been reported. American was down 70%, Delta 80%, United 83%. Again, mainline flights for those airlines. Alaska and JetBlue also in the 80s. Spirit and Allegiant were both down 90%. So, Ben, the range there is from Southwest cutting less than two-thirds to Spirit and Allegiant cutting 90% each. It is very interesting. I saw a similar article this week saying that Wizz Air, Hungary-based Wizz Air, was the largest airline in Europe now. And again, <laughs> and again, the same kind of measurement. And yeah, and again, there's seats scheduled. Uh, and but then if you look at what they actually operate, sometimes there's more of a disparity. They really are operating more. Wiz really is operating more than some airlines, but this disparity isn't the same. Some of them just take them out sooner, and it hits the schedules, or it doesn't. So, so interesting is there's something about that? You know, those two ultra low cost carriers. Uh, cutting significantly more. And by the way, Allegiant was one. If you just looked at the schedules, it looked like they weren't cutting very much. But then if you looked at what they actually flew, flew yeah, nine out of 10 flights was gone. Well, if you look at profitability of airlines over the last couple of years, the airlines that have done the absolute best, all airlines have done well, but the airlines that have done the absolute best are probably Delta and Spirit on a margin basis. And they're two of the ones who've cut the most. So let me, so let me ask, do you think that for all these people who don't want to fly, they say, I don't want to fly unless it's Southwest. <laughs> I don't think so. I, 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 think, don't, I don't think so either. I don't think so. I think Southwest is, uh, is a conservative company. And it's funny, you don't think of that historically. I mean, they were a maverick, but I think they're slow to change, sometimes to their benefit and sometimes not. And, and I think this is one where they have reacted more slowly. Although, again, when you go and look later at what they cancel, they're also at the top of that list. So like the, like sort of the last minute cancellations, if you go on FlightAware and look at what airline has canceled the most flights, a lot of days it's Southwest. So the, the, the true disparity isn't quite what was reported just uh, just based on the schedules. But no, there, there's, there's no question. They are slower to move for better or worse, right? Sometimes they maybe aren't the first to make a mistake, but they're also not the first to uh, to, to, to do something that turns out to be uh, a good idea. We've talked in the past about commercial strategies, the bag fees and assigned seats and all the rest of it that have, you know, whether you like them or not, that have worked for a lot of other airlines and that they that they haven't adopted online travel agency distribution, a holdout in, in many ways, including in terms of cutting flights as aggressively as, as other airlines. And again, 
we should note all those cuts are, are more modest than other airlines around the world. So those U.S. airlines, more modest. Many airlines around the world have either essentially or truly stopped flying. So looking now at a ranking of the busiest airports. Again, this is from FlightAware. Based on flights, they they ran this just for me. It's interesting. Uh, this is pretty wild. Last year, London Heathrow, for example, was the ninth busiest airport in the world by flights. Uh, this year, it's not even in the top 25 right now. And if you're wondering why only the ninth busiest, you might think it's, it's busier than that. Remember, look at the number of flights here, not seats or passengers. Heathrow does a, uh, have a lot of very big airplanes, A380s and 747s that come in with lots of seats. So by, by those other metrics, it would be higher on the table. But this is just kind of what you can easily look at for very recent days. Uh, meanwhile, the busiest airports in the world right now by flights, Dallas-Fort Worth, Chicago, and Atlanta in that order. Maybe not so surprising, but followed by Charlotte, fourth busiest airport in the whole world. No European airport is in the top 25. There are some Asian airports uh, sprinkled throughout the top 25 as operations resume there. Near the bottom of the top 25, Nanjing and Zhengzhou, both in China. Ben, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Could you find Zhengzhou on a map if you had to? Oh, well... If I had a, like a world map and I could just point at China, <laughs> <laughs> I I I I couldn't do it either. But it is now busier, at least in terms of just number of departing flights, than London Heathrow Airport. Back quickly, by the way, Ben. You mentioned the four M's at the beginning, and yeah, that was an interview caught on on KTLA out of Los Angeles, Channel Five, their great station. Uh, they mentioned their podcast, which I thought was fun. Uh, at, at right. Four M's that I came up with, and the media seemed to love this. The main, the mainstream. There's another M, mainstream media. Uh, none of my four M's are Michigan, although, as you correctly said, that's probably the biggest M of all right now. Uh, all this Michigan going on in the world. So, so the four M's that that we went through on there, uh, in terms of how the industry is going to look different going forward, I said masks. Right. You, uh, already, you know, you, you go to Asia uh, in recent years and, and you get on an airplane, you'll see some people wearing masks, even though there's no immediate threat, maybe. And that's just because people became more germophobic, thanks to SARS and, and some of the other issues over the years that tended to impact Asia, East Asia, more than other parts of the world. And some people, even though there's nothing in particular to worry about, they just kept wearing masks. I mean, I'm on a plane full of lots of people. I'm going to keep doing that. You're going to see people two or three years from now, even when hopefully the worst of this is all long in the past, you're going to, you're going to see Americans wearing masks, even on a flight from New York to Chicago. Guarantee you. Uh, minimal service was number two. You know, airlines that now aren't, you, know, you get on United and economy now, you're not going to get a waffle right now. They've done it immediately because of, of the health issue. They don't want flight attendants having to interact unnecessarily with, with, with customers. But look, these airlines are once again back to just sort of trying to get through the day. And, and some of that service that Delta, especially United and American also have restored in recent years, whether it's the snacks on short haul flights, the free beer and wine on long haul flights and economy. Don't be surprised if all that just doesn't come back as soon as it's safe to provide it again because these airlines are back to square one really back to struggling through to get through the day middle seats the third m uh airlines blocking them right now right now not a problem for delta to say we're not assigning middle seats because almost nobody's traveling but gonna be interesting to see once that means turning away business 
whether they start doing that. EasyJet in Europe, uh, the large low-cost carrier there, said recently that it's preparing for a medium-term future, maybe not forever, but of having to block middle seats. And then that leads to the last M. I said, money, what does that mean for airfares? Look, in the short term, airlines are going to have to discount to get people back on board. Uh, people are going to be afraid to fly. They're not going to have money because we're almost certainly in a in a recession. Uh, but, but and, you know, and that can be okay because jet fuel is practically free right now, right? But over the longer term, whether consumer preferences or government regulations or who knows what says that, you know, you can't pack as many people on a plane anymore. If that happens anywhere, that would put upward pressure on airfares because let's face it, we don't like being crammed on planes increasingly, but cramming people on planes is one reason why airfares have been so low. If airlines have to try to get all the same revenue from fewer passengers, that could mean higher airfares. Speaking of recession, by the way, Ben, uh, I, I, the world has turned upside down in more ways than one during this pan session. I love this word, pan session. That's the combination of a pandemic and what, again, we haven't seen the backward looking data yet, but clearly we're in a recession. Airline Weekly used that term this week. I wouldn't be surprised to see that catching on pan session, the pandemic recession. Speaking of Airline Weekly, Airline Weekly is part of Skift. And Brian Summers over at Skift had what I thought was an interesting article about how much more generous. American Airlines has been about handing out true refunds rather than just vouchers. In many cases, if American cancels your flight and they can't get you to where you're going within 60 minutes of your original schedule, they're going to offer you a refund. United kind of been at the other end of that spectrum, being criticized for doing what it can to avoid refunding money. Delta, maybe somewhere in the middle in terms of its policies and media coverage of them, although it now faces a class action lawsuit from some flyers who say it should be doing more. And a news release about that lawsuit, of all things, praised Spirit and Allegiant. You heard that right. Praised Spirit and Allegiant for being very good about refunding money. <laughs> so even if passengers in some case are, cancel the flights and the airlines don't cancel them, they're refunding money. Ben, that's when you know the world has gone I was going to say crazy, but Meshuga, right? Meshuga, uh, when Delta is being excoriated and Spirit and Allegiant are being held up as examples of consumer-friendly policies. <laughs> well, is it? doesn't the world change in funny ways, Seth? Well, you know, in any sort of difficult time like we are now, there, while all airlines are being hurt by the COVID-19 prices with demand way down, flights way down, cash flying out the door for planes they have to pay for, people they have to pay for, things like that. There are still relative winners and losers in the space. And the relative winners and losers are going to be based on, you know, how much flying did they do that really generated cash versus lost cash? Or were they or were they not strict enough about cutting flying that wasn't working, a la Southwest that we talked a little earlier about, for example? How are they managing their cash in this situation? How are they managing their relationships with their airplane lessors or their airplane financers or the companies that are going to deliver them airplanes? How are they managing their relationships with their employees? And keeping people engaged, even if they're not as working as much and feeling confident and positive, they'll have a job at some point again um, and that the company will survive. And how are they engaging their customers? And the interesting thing is that you see American Spirit and Allegiant with these um, with these refunds 
obviously making the decision that the way we're going to keep our customers thinking about us and maybe choosing us when everybody's traveling again is to be really nice to them right now. And I think it's a very interesting strategy. What I've also seen some other airlines do, which isn't as well reported when they just talk about um, who's getting refunds, is they're offering sort of an incentive to take a voucher, maybe give you more money in a voucher. Yeah. In fact, American has done that. They've said, hey, we can you could get your money back or you'll get 120 percent back. So, you know, if you're canceling a $200 trip, we'll give you $200 or $240 in in a voucher. And I think others have have, have done that kind of thing, too. Yeah. And, and that's that's I like that trade off because that's kind of OK. Well, I can decide as a customer if I really think I'm going to travel again, you know, in the next year or so. And I want to stay with this airline. I'll take the voucher and maybe get a little discount on my next flight because of that, or I'll just take the cash right now. But it is interesting. And again, winners and losers in the space are going to be determined by those couple things. And as airlines start to come out of this, which who knows when that's going to happen, right? I'm not saying that's imminent, but when airlines start to come out of this, it's going to be interesting to see what whether there's any differences in the relative competitive balance of airlines, what people thought who people thought were the strongest and the weakest before and now who they think are the strongest and weakest. This is just kind of interesting to think what that might look like in a year or so. Yeah. And that's what that Skift article asked was, you know, whether people are going to remember what, what American is doing, especially American is an airline. Don't forget that that was criticized a lot in recent years for its operations. It was a, it was a messier airline, less punctual, losing more bags than uh, certainly Delta and even United. And now American being the nicest in these regards. And, and, and this is the question, if that's if, if they'll get credit for that when times get better and when people are just back to buying airline tickets we'll see and ben, what, do, what, what do you think yeah. seth seth what do you think you think they're going to remember you know i hope so I, I i root for that kind of thing i mean as 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 a customer look i'm rational right i'll 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 try to support certain businesses i'll i'll hold grudges for a while right i, I remember the time <laughs> i went back to cvs Finally, and I couldn't remember why I had started boycotting. Right, I was just like going to Walgreens because <laughs> CVS. Did so- and then finally, I just had to go to CVS because like Walgreens was out of something. And I, you know, I, and I was like, well, whatever it was, since I can't remember it anymore, <laughs> it couldn't have been that bad, right? But, but I, I, as a consumer, I yes, I, I, I try within reason, right? I'm not going to pay double, or I'm not going to, you know, make some really inconvenient connection or fly to something I don't want to fly. But yeah, but all things be equal, I, I do try to reward that. And, and, and I feel good giving money to, to companies that have either treated me personally well or that I've heard ha- have treated people well. I, I've seen, of course, lots of reports just during this crisis about companies in other industries and 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 what they're doing. And 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 it's 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 been interesting. And uh, and, and so I I don't know, I, you know, look, I, I just I, I think generally people when they're searching for a flight, you know, they look for a flight where the schedule and the price is what works for them. But I do think at the margin this stuff matters. And I hope that airlines and other companies that are going out of their way, that they do get rewarded for that, at least in, in some way uh, going forward. And, and I think to some degree they will. The question, obviously, when you're in the situation that they're in right now, is if the cost of doing the right thing now is going to pay off uh, going forward. And, and we'll have to see that. And Ben, in addition to Delta, another maybe even more surprising airline is being criticized for not refunding money. It's a particularly interesting fine or whine when Airline Confidential returns. 
Sponsorship info for the Airlines Confidential podcast is available at airlinesconfidential.com. With Ben Baldanda, I'm Seth Kaplan. This is Airlines Confidential. You know, Ben, we talked about what the industry is going to look like going forward and, and what airlines are going to get rewarded for and whatnot. And somebody, I can't remember his name, had an article on Forbes. Uh, it's, it's there on Forbes.com from several days ago. The headline is, what do you want from your airline when coronavirus lockdown ends? Fair or fair, F-A-I-R or F-A-R-E. Like, do you want them to be nice to you or, or, or do you want cheap? And do you have any idea who I, – I, I must not have been anybody too notable. That I'm, well, who wrote that article? It, it was this complete loser no one knows, uh, and that was me, Seth. <laughs> there it is, Ben Baldanza. Hey, go check it out. Look it up. And if you Google that, you know, fair or fair, what do you, you know, if you, probably if you Google just Ben Baldanza Forbes, uh, fair or fair, you'll find it. But you were talking about exactly this dilemma and, and, and you know, density. I mean, we've people complained about it, but generally they have rewarded airlines for packing people onto a plane. And the reality is that in this new world, you know, just airplanes don't lend themselves to social distancing. It's tricky. It's very tricky. And all those who would want middle seats taken out of airplanes certainly wouldn't want their fare increased by 33%, which is yeah. what would have to happen. And uh, it would dramatically change the economics of airlines and result in fewer flights, fewer airlines, and much higher fares. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so an interesting dilemma. And we'll have to see here. And I think a lot of this is a question of degree and timing, right? I mean, I yes. you know, even I mentioned EasyJet before, to be clear, that they weren't saying that things are going to be blocking middle seats forever. Uh, and, and maybe it'll just kind of work out that, look, the, the load factors will just kind of be lighter here at the beginning anyway. And it's not that airlines have to decide now what to do. It's just at some moment, once flights are getting full again, they'll have to figure out whether people want fair or fair, right? Well, let's go to the mailbag, Ben. First, here's Morgan from Chicago. Morgan writes, hey, Ben and Seth, it's me, the friendly spreadsheet flight attendant girl. We I remember Morgan. Morgan. <laughs> Morgan was great. She says, loved your take on my question several weeks ago, but now I am back with a fun fact instead of a question. Just listen to your latest podcast, and let me say, I, of course, got excited about all the tail number chatter. You might remember that question last week. Uh, another listener asked why, uh, what was it, Southwest and AirTran. Southwest changed all the tail numbers to make them Southwest numbers, whereas uh, United and Continental, you could still tell easily from a tail, tail number which was which. But here's Morgan again. Morgan says, for Seth, you can still identify AirTran planes from their new Southwest tails, and I will tell you how. It is very simple, like simple, simple. All tails that start with N77 that don't end with SWWN or QC, QC is an aircraft dedicated to quality control, came from AirTran. Okay, so if they end in any of those SWWNQC, it, it's, a, it's a legacy Southwest plane. Otherwise, it came from AirTran. Also, another fun fact, our aircraft from AirTran only have one flight deck jump seat instead of two for whatever bizarre reason. Tons of cool Easter eggs in the Southwest Airlines fleet. Happy flying, Morgan. <laughs> ben, our listeners keep us on our toes. You cannot slip anything by any of these people. I remember you saying to me offline once that it's we need somebody like um, 
the uh, pardon the interruption PTI, the show on on, on ESPN with uh, Tony Hork, uh, Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon and 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 Reality yeah. at the end tells them you know what they now he has his own show but uh but you know always told them you know, what what they what they missed right uh, what they what they messed up and, and we I think we need Morgan to sit here with us and tell us each show uh, what what we messed up and just just a reminder that we but Morgan's there. so great about the way she writes the stuff too and like calling them Easter eggs in the Southwest fleet and <laughs> things like that I think yeah, that's no, great. She's great. Thank you, Morgan. Well, next here's Matthew of New York. Matthew writes, hello, Ben and Seth. Love the show. And by the way, you can write in and say you hate the show. We'll, we'll read that too. But but, but <laughs> Matthew, it's it's right here writing. Love the show. Uh, the past week of market sell-offs, and I should say this was from a few weeks ago, but the idea is still the same. Uh, obviously, plenty of market sell-offs has made a lot of airline stockholders fetch. That shows that Matthew's a frequent listener. <laughs> Lots of Yiddish in this show. While the steep drop has been a response, and I guess you, your, you, your family would say has given investors ajita, right? Ben? Yeah, that's, that's exactly ajita. right. Yeah, <laughs> as response to coronavirus, and uh, not all of your relatives clearly speak better Yiddish than, than half of my relatives. <laughs> a response to the coronavirus, uh, and not to any airline-specific negligence, but. Airline management is going to need to weather the storm. Regardless, to what extent does airline management prioritize stockholder value during these market corrections and downslides? What unique concerns are going through the minds of top airline executives and how do they differ from other business sector responses? Well, that's a great question. And um, I can't say that I've surveyed all the CEOs. And so I can't say for a fact what they are thinking of. But um, I think I said this once before, and I'll say it again on the show, which is when you fly an airplane and you're in trouble, the first order of business is to, number one, fly the airplane, right? And make sure you know where you're going, that your wings are level, that you know what your fuel is, that you know where you are, and don't make yourself worse. And the situation that the airlines are in right now is exactly that. Every airline business leader is aware of the fact that they're that their stock is at the lowest value it's been in a long time. And in fact, Spirit even put in what's called a poison pill to protect themselves from some financial buyer coming in and saying, I can buy all these assets on the cheap and make money on them later. Um, But are they thinking about it every day? No. And are they managing their business to make that number better? Not directly. What they're doing is they're managing their business to save cash and to emerge from this crisis in the strongest position they can, meaning having as much of their company stable as possible, their relationships, like I said earlier, with their suppliers, their employees, and their investors, and their customers in the best shape that it can be, given that they're not flying as much now. And they know that if they do all that stuff right, that over time, the market will properly value the kind of returns that that company can bring. Now, the airline industry has been hurt more than many, but many businesses have been hurt. I mean, I just take my dog for a walk and see all these small businesses closed. And I have to, and I would just wonder how many of them are going to reopen, yeah. right? I mean, it's, it's got to be terrible for those small business owners. So I'm not suggesting that it's Worse for an airline than someone who's lost their business because of this. But the point is that that 
since they're publicly traded companies, they know their stock price is down right now and that's hurting investors. But there's no investor that says, there are investors who may say, I'm gonna no longer invest in this industry because the risks are just too big for me. But there's no investor that is going to punish any individual airline because of their stock multiple right now, given the fact that people aren't flying and they a lot of the planes aren't flying. The the real where the rubber is going to meet the road is when things start returning and airlines start coming back, how airlines are managing themselves and how quickly they can return to some level of profitability. And those are the airlines that are going to, from a stock standpoint, take off more than others. What do you think, Seth? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And it will be interesting interesting to see also, as you mentioned on an earlier episode, whether there are just new winners and losers. You know, uh, we, we know just thinking about the world, right? Delta or Southwest would have been the financial standouts in the US. IAG uh, or, or smaller airline like, like Wizz Air or Ryanair for that matter, you know, uh, successful airlines in Europe. And and I have no particular reason to think that the that it's going to get jumbled a lot, right? I, I have no reason to think that Alitalia is going to emerge the the most profitable airline in the world from this, or Air India, or yeah, you can think of worldwide <laughs> airlines. And I have no reason to think that you know Delta is going to uh, going to be the first airline to liquidate anything like that. Uh, but, but it will be interesting to see whether there are different winners and losers because no question, there are certain things that this environment lends its to lends itself to. And, and the immediate thing tends to be in a recessionary environment, generally good for lower cost carriers, just because this is just less of a revenue focused environment because if you make your money with revenue premiums primarily uh that's that's a harder thing to find right now uh whereas if you are an ultra low cost carrier if you're if you're you know spirit yeah hey look some of your customers can no longer afford to travel at all even once people feel it's safe again to fly because of the, the this this uh environment we're in but those people could be replaced by people who used to fly a higher cost airline and now just want to travel as inexpensively as possible in the same way that Walmart benefits from that that trading down phenomenon as it, as it's called Ben but I, I but I, I yeah I, I think you're right in the end it's it's planting seeds now to come out uh and, and just hard to the, the metrics right now now throw them all out, you know? Yeah, you know, <laughs> Seth, I, I saw Bernard Marcus, who is one of the founders of uh, Home Depot. I saw him on TV a couple days ago, and I thought he said something that was real interesting. And it gets to Matthew's question where he said, how do they differ from other business sector responses? Again, great question, Matthew. Thank you. Um, he made the point that recovery from COVID is going to be different for every business. And he gave three examples. He said, think of a dentist and what they do that they're so physically close to their customers and they're dealing with, you know, fluids from the mouth and things like that, yeah. right? And, and he said, then, um, he said, then think about a sports stadium or a sports team. And they've got to think about, can we have fans in the stands and the concessionaires there and things like that. And then he said, and then you can think about sort of a, a small business or a, a restaurant. And what do they need to do? And he said, in all three cases, they have a different problem in terms of how to get people comfortable in their establishment again, and what they need to do differently about their business to make people feel okay about it. When you're going to be okay going to a dentist might be different than a restaurant, might be different than a 
than a, a stadium. And yeah. so going back to Matthew's questions, I think business, different business sectors have commonality in that they're all thinking about how do we maintain our liquidity? How do we keep our cash high through this time period when not a lot of people are buying our products or we can't operate as much or at all right now? And how do we make sure that we're really relevant for customers when they're ready to come back to us? In that sense, I think lots of businesses, they're the same, but I think a lot of them are different in thinking about what this event means for what they're going to need to do to their business to get customers really comfortable with them again. And we've talked about some of the things that the airlines are thinking about, but if you think about different businesses, they have different issues to consider. Right. And I think even within each industry, you could see how this environment lends itself a little bit more to some businesses than the others. If you look at restaurants, right, a restaurant that makes a lot of its money from a crowded bar, right, and selling lots of liquor to people breathing down each other's necks right now, of course, can't do that. And it might be, you know, trying to sell carryout, but that's hard. Whereas sort of a an order at the counter, mostly carryout kind of business, uh, whether it's a Chinese takeout or a pizza place or something, this is not good for anybody, clearly, but it lends itself a little bit more to them. And I think with airlines too, look, the last trip I was supposed to take that I didn't take was you know, supposed to fly from... Reagan National down to Fort Lauderdale to see our families for, in our, in our case, Passover. Uh, we didn't go. That was supposed to be on JetBlue. In that case, could have been Southwest. That's probably the kind of trip that we're going to take first, right? We're going to go see our family because we missed them before we're going to take some discretionary trip or, or, or around the world. So, And of course, all airlines, they don't have mutually exclusive customer bases, I could also fly other kinds of airlines to do that, but but you know it, it'll probably be a somewhat of an uneven recovery based on that. So so you have the differences between the industries, and then the differences also within the industries. Well, uh, next we have a, a finer wine, and 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 this is an interesting one as we begin our descent here on today's show. Uh, you have a complaint, Ben, that I have to say kind of surprised me. Yes, this one is from Kathy of Carlsbad, California, Seth, complaining about Southwest, that customer-friendly airline, right? <laughs> Kathy writes, we purchased tickets to Florida before the COVID-19 outbreak. I had to purchase the early bird check-in since I'm claustrophobic and need an aisle seat. Um, for listeners who probably know this, at Southwest, you can't assign your seats. So if you book early bird check-in, you check in early, you board the plane early, and you can pick that seat. Since the COVID-19 conditions do not allow me to fly because of an underlying condition, I called to cancel the flight. They gave me back the points I used to purchase the flight, but not the $200 for the early bird. I would think at a time like this, knowing that people cannot afford to just lose money on something not usable, they would refund it. I was told it is a non-refundable amenity and would not be refunded just because of the circumstances we are all in that is not our fault. I'm sincerely disappointed in Southwest. And what's interesting, Ben, is that you told me that this complaint was actually representative, that you saw others like this. And this is interesting. We talked before about this this topsy-turvy Meshuggah world that we live in, where spirit is somehow this this example of what to do now. Um, it never was when you were running the place, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and and, and uh, you know, people are complaining about Delta. And here's somebody complaining about Southwest. 
and, and, and apparently not the only one. That's interesting. So they're keeping, according to this complaint anyway, I mean, I have experienced this on my own, so we just have to go by what these people are saying, but they're saying Southwest is not refunding the $200, which is obviously a service that you can't use if you're not on the flight. Yes, and you know, like I told you offline, one of the reasons I suggested this one as the, as the finer wine, and I'm, I'm going to, with on this one, by the way, is that it's, it's fine, it's not a wine. Yeah, the customer's right on yeah. yeah, right this one. Is because when I was looking through recent complaints of airlines, I saw this complaint about Southwest not refunding the extra, refunding the ticket price, but not the business class upgrade or the early bird upgrade and things like that. And I saw three, four, or five of these. And I thought that Kathy's was the most well-written and the clearest. Yeah. Um, and I was surprised. It's clearly a Southwest policy right now to say, we'll refund your ticket, but if you buy any extras on us, we're not gonna refund that money. And I'm really surprised at that. Um, I'm surprised they didn't offer her even at least maybe Rapids Rewards points if they didn't wanna give her the money back, but why wouldn't they give her the early bird money back if they're giving her the flight cash back? That just seems really strange, and that seems to me a case of maybe right hand at Southwest not knowing what the left hand is doing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't believe that at the at the, the highest executive level, suites at Southwest, they made this people. decision, you know, like, uh, you know, Dr. Evil sort of, <laughs> sort of like, let's yeah. keep the early bird fees. And yeah, we'll yeah the same people who don't even believe in back fees, that they would want to keep like the one fee that they charge. I know. So, so <laughs> I think Kathy's right yeah. to be disappointed, I think. And, and I think if Southwest read the complaints like I read them, they might change that policy, actually. I agree. Well, on final approach now, that does it for Airlines Confidential this week. Please fasten your seatbelts and ensure your seatbacks and tray tables are in their upright and locked positions. And remember, we'd love to hear your questions at 305-379-7429. You can call there, record a question, or you can email us, questions at airlinesconfidential.com. Again, questions, plural, at airlines, plural, confidential.com. Airlines Confidential, all one word. Or you can jump on the airlinesconfidential.com website. From the Airlines Confidential Studios, I'm Seth Kaplan. And I'm Ben Baldanza. We'll talk to you next week. This podcast is produced by Mass Media. Info at massmedia.net.